the greater area, it's a fascinating place. You know, it's been uniquely positioned to accelerate growth. And it's a very interesting place for financial reform and innovation. We have many uh, super good cities, of course, like Guangzhou and Shenzhen, very innovative, uh, heavy league place. But we have also fascinating cities like Fofan and also Huizhou and also Zhuhai, where you have everything has been made for incubation for growth. I should say frankly, I'm totally convinced, not only persuaded, but convinced by the fact that the Suzhou, Hangzhou should be the top five best city at the moment. They're like attracting top students from around China, and then the city has helped incubating tech startups. So this is one of the reasons why we're seeing Hefei emerge as a new Silicon Valley in China. Again, Fabian and I, we arrived there, and one of the things that, that immediately impressed us was how well they had, they were running the zero COVID policy there. It was just very, very well managed and together. The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Hello and welcome to Chat Lounge. I'm Tu Yun. China has introduced 15 new measures to boost foreign investment in the country. But as the costs to enter the traditional first-tier cities, namely Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, and Shenzhen, become increasingly high, what other cities on the mainland have more growth potential and business opportunities? Joining our chat today are guests from three of the four first-tier cities, and they are Fabian Pakori in Guangzhou. Fabian is vice president of the French Chamber of Commerce in China and French foreign trade advisor nominated by the French prime minister. In Shanghai, we've got Joseph Mahoney, professor of politics and international relations, East China Normal University. And in Beijing, Liu Juqing, Senior Fellow, Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies of Renmin University of China. Welcome to you all, gentlemen. Juqing has to leave a bit earlier, so let me start off with you, Juqing. The China Emerging City Rankings, recently released by the UK-based uh, Economist Intelligence Unit, names Hangzhou, the provincial capital of eastern coastal province of Zhejiang, as the city that has the greatest growth potential in the overall ranking. It beats other coastal cities such as Suzhou and Zhuhai. Jixing, I know you grew up in the eastern coastal area, but I'm not sure if it's Jiangsu or Zhejiang or Shanghai, but you definitely travel a lot in the country. So what makes Hangzhou stand out? To say frankly that uh, it's surprising for me to know that Hangzhou is named as the emerging city. Why? Hangzhou is a... Emerged city is a developed city. It's not only an emerging city. All right. As, as we know, in the in the history, Hangzhou has already a very famous, a very good industrialization in Hangzhou, also in Zhejiang. Now the emergence has something special meaning. I mean, at, at this moment, mm. because Hangzhou is so famous in China and also in the world. But I think the following reasons that could help help uh, Hangzhou to stand out as the top top uh, emerging city in China. The first, I think the business environment is very inclusive and very cooperative and also very open. In the, everybody knows that Hangzhou has a very famous uh, entrepreneur enterprises like Internet Giant, Alibaba, and other relevant IT companies there. So the business environment is really very dynamic mm. that can attract more investors to be there. 
Secondly, I don't think many people know this because, as we know, at the beginning of this century, five important persons working together in Hangzhou in Zhejiang province. That is the five members of the standing committee of CBC today. So they were working together since 2003 to 2007. They laid a very solid foundation for the development of the Hangzhou. Also, they have outlined this development policy for open up and for inclusiveness. So I encourage the enterprises to have more investment there. And also they have very open policy to invite the foreign companies and foreign investors to come to Zhejiang and come to Hangzhou. That's why I think the Hangzhou city has so good performance. The third reason is also very important to know that in Zhejiang, there are many uh, high level education in universities, especially they have very high uh, educated and skilled professors and uh, research institutions there. This is why they have talented uh, reserve in Hangzhou. They can deal with all challenges and difficulties that they imposed from global market or even from domestic market. So that's why we see that Hangzhou really has a very unique conditions and also the priorities for further development. I should say that Hangzhou has really greatest potential for further growth in the time to come. Mm, yeah, I think the reason why they ranked Hangzhou as uh, the top emerging uh, city Maybe it's because it's compared with, uh, you know, the traditional first-year cities, Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou. You've mentioned a lot of aspects, including um, talent and some uh, good governance of the city. But um, how about its location advantages? I think a location is not decisive at this moment, especially in case of Hangzhou. Mm. Because Hangzhou is also in the coastal area, not in the coastal line, but the coastal area toward the ocean and the sea. But it's well connected and uh, communicated with the other cities in neighboring area, in neighboring region. So I think the geophysical positions made Hangzhou quite attractive. But it's nature resources, it's human resources, and the technological resources are the major factor to attract more investment. Because we know innovation there is the main driving force for all the people there. So this is the major driving force for Hangzhou and for Zhejiang. So Zhejiang is one of the best area in the region in China. Hangzhou quite famous for a thousand years in China. So Indeed. for its rich culture. Yeah, so that's why I think there's no doubt, no question that Hangzhou should be listed in the, at the top emerging city in China. Mm. But really it's emerged as a developed city. Right. And uh, Joseph, you're in Shanghai. You're the closest among four of us to Hangzhou, right? So have you traveled to Hangzhou and uh, what's your impression of it? Well, I think uh, I, I agree with uh, Professor Liu. You know, certainly I think everyone here perceives Hangzhou as being emerged or developed. And, and But I don't think we, we should get hung up on the semantics there. Mm. Um, I think that clearly, as you, as you noted, the, the distinction is how do we compare Hangzhou to the more fully emerged cities like uh, Beijing and Shanghai, and mm. how do we compare or contrast it with with still emerging cities that are trying to reach the first tier in an absolute sense, like uh, Guangzhou? So, for example, I, I've been to Hangzhou and Guangzhou quite a bit, and Hangzhou is definitely very developed, but it, it's not quite the same level that we see in Shanghai, which is, I think, one of the, its 
charming features. Hangzhou certainly has a very rich cultural heritage and a unique uh, geographical uh, attractions. And then, you know, when you go to, to Guangzhou, and so I'm really trying to compare like the three cities and to try to get a sense here, Hangzhou, Guangzhou, Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Guangzhou is, is certainly has more to develop. It's also an old city. It's got an old glorious history. Yeah. Um, and um, it reminds me, like Guangzhou reminds me of um, what Shanghai was around 2011, 2012. There's like this infectious energy about the future. I think things in, in Hangzhou, the development of Hangzhou is, is in, in one sense kind of top heavy. There's like this very super rich, high developed uh, aspect. And then there's you know this burgeoning uh, middle income group. Mm. And I think now it's more about rounding it out. And But, you know, I talk to a lot of uh, young people in Shanghai and they think, okay, well, maybe there's a better career opportunity in Hangzhou yeah. or Suzhou that you get sort of this, uh, you get like a comparable level of development, but there, there's more growth potential. It's kind of a smaller market. So I think these, this is what The Economist means when it, when it talks about, you know, it, it's talking about the potential to grow. Indeed. We've kind of reached our potential to grow in Shanghai and we still see room for significant growth in places like Hangzhou and certainly others like uh, Suzhou, Guangzhou, and so on. Mm. And Fabian, you're vice uh, president of the uh, French Chamber. Do you have any idea how many French businessmen are now working in Hangzhou, probably? We got a few companies, interesting companies, based in uh, Hangzhou and all around this uh, this area. Uh, but I'm not so familiar about the Hangzhou area because actually I'm located, you know, in the Greater Bay Area in yeah. Hangzhou, in the south. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm more familiar with with the uh, with the area about the south. But we we have very uh, interesting company, uh, yeah, located in the Hangzhou area. But also now more and more interesting companies going to set up place in uh, around Suzhou and also in Nanjing, but also in Hefei, so more around, yes, around Shanghai. You're saying that you're more familiar with uh, the Greater Bay Area. So let's talk a little bit more about this area. Um, we see among those um, cities on the ranking, apart from uh, Chengdu, the capital city of uh, southwestern Sichuan province, leading the rankings are cities mainly located in either uh, the eastern Yangtze River Delta or in the southern Greater Bay Area, which is where you are located. So what's the implication here? Uh, it's I'm quite lucky because, you know, uh, the Greater Bay Area, it's a fascinating place. You know, it's been uniquely a position to accelerate uh, growth. And, you know, it's um, the GBA has many uh, ambitions and uh, it's a real world class Bay Area, you know, same as San Francisco Bay or Greater Tokyo Area, mm. Yokohama, Kobe, Osaka. And it's, uh, it's a very interesting place for financial reform and innovation. We have many. Uh, super good cities, of course, like Guangzhou and Shenzhen, very innovative, uh, heavy league place. But we have also fascinating cities like Fofan and also Huizhou and also Zhuhai, where you have a very, uh, I would say, uh, multidisciplinary innovation. Everything has been made for uh, incubation for growth, mm. and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's very good, very good location. We can even I was I was checking recently the latest uh, report of the World Economic Forum mentioning about uh, that we can even now talk about uh, made in GBA. People know that place is very very dynamic. One of the probably one of the most dynamic in the world. Mm. You mentioned uh, Zhuhai, and there is another city in of Guangdong Province, which is uh, Dongguan, is also on the ranking. So, what gives these two cities more growth potential than other cities in the region? 
I think what uh, mentioned the economist about emerging, it was more about, of course, Professor Liu is right, it's not about uh, uh, those cities are not emerging anymore, but I think it was more about strategic emerging industries. And we've got in those new cities, they're not so new, but in, in Foshan, in Zhuhai, in Huizhou, in Dongguan, we have now a, a complete uh, value chain mm. uh, concerning uh, different industries, to electronic industry, to uh, energy saving now with uh, environmental environmental protection, to healthcare service. To, uh, actually, now they, those cities are a very good platform with a very good, uh, strong uh, development, but also having a, a very solid uh, innovative uh, base. So actually, they can grow uh, even better and better. And we, you can check for Shan nowadays. Uh, it's also a very important center for AI development and uh, very, very new technologies. So it's, yeah, it's very fascinating, very exciting. Mm, do you think their mode or their situation is recoverable in other parts of the country, especially in other coastal areas? Yeah, I, I should to, say. Yeah, that, sorry. Yes, please. Sorry. I believe that, that there are many similar occasions in mm. the world, and not only in China. Because some cities benefit from the geological uh, advantage, mm. for instance, the, the, in Germany, in France, all the cities at the seaport, they have more transshipment, transportation business, and with the other countries, so yeah. they make a greater profits from this. And also China, the same as we know, even 1,000 years before, all the cities in Guangzhou mm. benefit from Shanghai, also benefit from the transshipment. So. But actually, now at the moment, many, many more cities inland or some cities that are away from the coastal area, they have also some other benefits that to develop the local business, local industries. So we should say that all this should be combined together with the advantage for each side and also try to avoid any disadvantages. So we have to make the business environment more attractive more relaxing and more inclusive in order to get more investment from outside. So that's like the the French guests already say that many foreign companies from France, from Germany, they came to China. First, they have to ask the country's chamber in China, which city, which area is the best for communication, uh, which city has a good infrastructure and also for the education, high technology, research capabilities, all this com- combination will help the foreign investor to make a decision where and how to invest in China. Yeah, that's why we were talking about this. And and Fabian, um, have you found any cities in uh, the Greater Bay Area or in other areas particularly preferred by French business people? And then the south, yes, the, the Greater Bay Area is quite, uh, now is having a very good press. I mean, people uh, can understand that that place is the, a very, uh, there is a cluster of competitive uh, manufacturing industries. And so this is very um, exciting for, for French and European companies because they know here there is, uh, you know, innovation. There is a such interesting business environment and that we can't miss this. You know, you have such interesting supply chain management here you know, with uh, so many workshops, so many innovations. And, and this platform can't be avoided, actually. For if you want to, to grow, uh, especially in Asia Pacific, you have to consider the greater barrier for sure. Uh, in my wild imagination, I would think that um, French business people would prefer somewhere like um, Ningxia in western China or Hebei in north China because they are more suitable for grape business or for vineyards. But it seems it's not like that. 
Uh, Ningxia has been has been considered has been considered for for the wine industry, yes, and for spiming about. It's mm-hmm. a French company already set up, yes, in in Ningxia province for right. wine production. Absolutely. Do you have any uh, French business people there? Yes, exactly, and uh, also a very important French group already set all uh, already set up business in in Ningxia and also in Shandong. Right. Good to hear that. The chat lounge. The chat lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. You're listening to the Chat Lounge, and we're talking about which emerging cities got the greatest growth potential in China's mainland. And、um, let's get back to this ranking.、Um, Chengdu and Hefei are the only two inland cities leading, you know, the overall ranking. And my question is, what special advantages do they have when compared with other inland cities such as、um, Zhengzhou or Chongqing,、um, Joseph? Well, you know, earlier this year, actually, Bobby and I were in Hefei to meet the mayor and to tour the city and to look at their development plans and, and to look at some of their high-tech industries. That's so, nice.、Uh, Yeah, I can talk. I can talk a little bit about、uh, that experience.、And、on the one hand, you know, Hefei does have, even though it's an inland city, it has some unique geographic and、um, organizational advantages as well as some other things. So, for example, it has a massive lake, Chaohu Lake, which has been placed、uh, completely under the jurisdiction of Hefei City. And so, the way the the Chinese、uh, system is working now, they each body of water.、Uh, so, if it's a river or a, a lake. It's put under the responsibility of a particular leader in the region, and so the mayor is the master of that lake, and he has to take responsibility for its well-being, its protection, and go and inspect. And so they've got this massive cleanup project going on in the lake right now,、mm. where they're digging all these heavy metals and sludge out of the lake because it was polluted for so many years. They're turning these into bricks and then taking them into the mountains and dumping them down into these old、um, coal mines.、Mm. Right. So it's this really innovative. Positive cleanup project. In the meantime, they're doing this massive restoration of all the、uh, wetlands around the city, which are producing these tremendous carbon sinks.、Mm. Okay, and and by the way, the mayor is、uh, and Fabian can correct me if I'm wrong if I get if I get his degree wrong, but I think he has a PhD in environmental management or environmental science, something like this. And so they're kind of building this green oasis、mm-hmm. for Hefei. And it's it's certainly long term. It's got this vision of the future. We know that many parts of the world, and certainly parts of China, are experiencing、um, crises associated with extreme weather and climate change. We know that you know certain parts of the Northwest, for example, are extremely、uh, vulnerable to water security issues.、Mm. And we saw problems, of course, in, in Chongqing, I believe, this year with with many rivers going dry. Hefei has this long term vision for ecological sustainability, and that was very impressive. But the other thing that Hefei has is.、Um, It has a relatively low development starting point, you know, kind of like China or Shanghai, twenty, thirty years ago. So it has it has this incredible room for potential, but it's it's got the good foundation ecologically. It also has one of China's top science and technology universities, University of Science and Technology of China. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And so it's.、Um, And there's a close relationship, of course, between that university and the central government, but also the the city and that university. They're like attracting top students from around China,、mm. and then the city has helped incubating tech startups. So this is one of the reasons why we're seeing Hefei emerge as a new Silicon Valley in China. And of course, they have other、uh, resources there. They're doing a lot of the cutting edge research on、um, renewable energy in Hefei. 
So there's like this incredible foundation, there's this vision of the future, there's all these things that, that um, and room for growth, as well as, uh, you know, very good organization and management, all these things are clearly speaking to potential. And I know, again, we, uh, <laughs> again, Fabian, we arrived there, and I think one of the things that really impressed us, because, uh, you know, that was in the middle of summer, when, mm. Uh, and I just recently emerged from two months of lockdown in Shanghai. And one of the things that, that immediately impressed us was how well they had they were running the zero COVID policy there. Mm. And um, it, it was just very, very well managed and, and, and together. I, I haven't been to Chengdu recently, so I can't speak that much about it directly. But Chengdu has some similar advantages. It's, you know, in the southwest, it's one of the leading centers in that region. Mm. Uh, it has tremendous university resources, uh, uh, higher education resources. It's also well managed, but it also has like this very strong foundation, but incredible room for growth. So, you know, we had we had a lot of these, you know, second, what, what we used to call second tier cities, the rankings have become a little more complicated now. Mm. You have cities like Shanghai, Chongqing, Beijing, you know, so forth and so on that that have already you know sort of reached their full potential it's more about how do we sustain and improve what we have but now you know what you see is these efforts to develop and raise up to comparable levels perhaps these cities that were just behind the top cities in development so Chengdu would be one of these cities that, that has already a lot of the building blocks to help it reach the next level and uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see people helping to or being attracted to those areas for for precisely mm-hmm. that reason We'll talk a little bit more about Chengdu later, but uh, Fabian, when you were in Hebei, did you share the same observation or did you find anything else that impressed you most? Oh, yes, uh, I agree totally with what Joseph just said. I've been very impressed by the, the quality of the management system of the city, but also because it's a very efficient platform. We could see many things very very well managed. And also, uh, when we've been visiting the, the different, the National Synchrotron Radiation Laboratory and the different, uh, the University of Science and Technology of China, we saw many uh, PhD students, many very experimented uh, people. And uh, because they have quantum, quantum technology there and advanced, uh, you know, supercomputing uh, experimental uh, laboratory there, mm-hmm. then we can see it's already a city. Everything is already organized for the future, you know, for for tomorrow and in, in a very interesting way I mean, uh, thinking about what's going to happen next and uh, so it's, it's 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 very well planned and uh, this is it's good to see because uh, we, we can feel that you have there people to think about tomorrow and uh, how it should be uh, trying to make it uh, you know with with stance to make it in you know, a very well uh, organized and respect and respecting everyone you know respecting people as well so yeah it was very very, very fascinating very mm-hmm. impressive can you give us some specific example of how things are well organized, as you just mentioned? Can you think of any right now? Yeah, well, for the education system, it was really, really impressive because they also explained to us how they... But two, two interesting things also. So, um, Joseph mentioned the startup incubators, you know, to, uh, the city has been investing in some very... Uh, Super cool uh, uh, technical uh, technological companies, uh, very innovative in different fields, different industries. But also, you know, for managing people, we've seen some different project, real estate project of some middle class poor area to be uh, transferred to different part of the cities where they are taken care of, where there is a real healthcare system, where there is a real facilities. And this is, is good to see because we can see there is a kind of distribution or map of the city 
where everything is very efficient concerning government services. And uh, it's good to see that. Fair enough. And about the Chengdu, you know, in Chinese, we've got this uh, adage which goes, um, don't come to Sichuan um, when you are young and don't leave when you are old. It actually portrays a scene where locals live a cozy life. But I'm not sure uh, what makes Chengdu competitive. Chengdu is the provincial capital of uh, Sichuan, obviously. What makes it competitive in terms of uh, growth potential these days? Jitsing, do you have any answer there? Yes, I think Chengdu is very special in China because not because of its food and spicy. Mm. You know, when you go to Europe, to Germany, to French, to the Chinese restaurant, they always have a Chengdu style or Sichuan style yeah. spicy food. So it's quite famous. But I think that the industry there is also very spicy because the people there are really very well developed and educated. They are going to further develop their local economy. As we know, Chengdu is quite famous for its agricultural product many years before. And nowadays, I think it's more modernized with modern AI and smart technology and also medical care equipment. And so all these factors have helped Chengdu to become more attractive for foreign investors, also for domestic investors. And the other thing is that Chengdu, the business environment is very relaxing. The people's life, they're very relaxing, mm. very elastic, very flexible. So they don't feel too much pressure as in other big cities. So this can emancipate more innovation and the creativity of the people who are living in Chengdu. That's why, because I have some German partners uh, in Chengdu mm. area that, that they have been there for many years. They say that, that they don't feel too much pressure when they work in there and they live there and because they have very good connections and communications with the local people, especially with the local government. So this helped these factories and the manufacturers to have more productivity and even to make more profits in the time. So I should say that Chengdu has its own advantage that cannot be easily copied by other cities because Chengdu is Chengdu. Mm. It should remain and still keep its own character in order to attract more investors. Mm. But compared with uh, other coastal cities, what would you say are the disadvantages of, of some inland cities? Um, you just mentioned um, they have to, you know, uh, develop this capability to convert their disadvantages into advantages. But how? But I, I should say, in other words, that at this moment, today, when the infrastructure is so modern, everything can be transported without any delay. When the logistics is so modern at the moment, I don't think a big difference or big disadvantage for inland city with the coastal city. Because you saw from air freight, from uh, highway, high speedway, all things that can make the distance no problem. So I don't think this is a big challenge for Chengdu. But Chengdu's disadvantage is that the natural and the metro industrial resources is still dependent on the other regions to supply, for example, from Ningxia, Gansu, or other areas to make some more supplies to give the raw materials and the uh, raw industries to develop their local industry. Mm. So this is the disadvantage that this local raw materials is still under limitation. 
So you're saying there other inland cities they're just a latecomer, not necessarily you know lack of capacity or or capability in developing into some um, developed um, cities or like uh, other emerging cities like Hangzhou and uh, Suzhou, etc. You know, can I add something here? Yes. Yeah, I think one of the things that that you know, if we go back and we look at how cities like Shanghai and Shenzhen, some of the coastal cities that that we've mentioned,、mm. how they accelerated their development. Right. So、uh, they started off with special economic zones, and I wouldn't describe these as lawless areas, but they were. There was a lot of you know anything goes. Let's figure out what works. And then we'll clean up the mess later. Sure. And so one of the things that that we see, of course, is this is this extremely rapid and and, and very often chaotic growth.、Mm-hmm. And we know that it that it was accompanied with with lots of new opportunities, but new challenges. And one of the things as we've moved on now to you know developing other cities and trying to raise them up to if not the same level, then then at least letting them reach their full potential,、mm-hmm. is that the lessons that were learned. And this is one of the unique features about the Chinese system, if we compare it to, say, what you might see in the United States. But the lessons that were learned, the best practices, and of course, you know, every region is different, and you have to tailor your policies and your solutions to meet. Okay, what are your local resources? What are your local capabilities? What's your local geography? And so,、yeah. and so on. But nevertheless, you know, if you look at the fact that we now have this knowledge base in China of, of best practices associated with. Development of we now have the capacity to ensure better the the rule of law. We have policies in place. We have cadres who have expertise that they've cultivated in different regions that we、mm. can bring in. So, for example, like the mayor in in Hefei, who can be sent to manage、uh, this big ecological project effectively, but also because he's a science guy, keep his finger on you know, incubating startups. So. I think this is one of the advantages that these inland cities have is that they can take advantage of all this knowledge and information that we have, as well as the surpluses or the capacities that have sort of overflowed in, in various ways from these other regions that are、mm-hmm. now, you know, looking for other development opportunities. But as as、uh, Professor Liu was saying, because we have such a, a developed infrastructure now, much much more developed than we had even ten years ago, and certainly twenty or thirty years ago.、Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's it's I I would almost call it the coffee index, right? Because like I very much like to have a cup of coffee in the morning, and, and a good cup of coffee. And it used to be, you know, you could get a good cup of coffee maybe in two or three cities. You know, you go back to the 1990, late 90s or early 2000s. But you can get you can get a pretty good cup of coffee almost anywhere now.、Mm. Um, and you can、uh, certainly order anything you need. And, and so being somewhere now, of course, there are some some places where where you can get kind of remote and isolated. But if you're in a, a first, second, or even third tier city. You can get whatever you need or want. You can source. You can supply chain. You can. If you're an international investor and you're looking to, am I going to be in the sticks or the boonies if I'm in Hafei? No, you're not. You're going to be able to enjoy, you know, all the things that you associate with sort of a, a developed first world life. Those sort of distinctions have disappeared. Yeah, it's like the latecomers' advantages. And、um, in the list ranking cities leading China's development of strategic emerging industries, Suzhou and Hangzhou are among the most prominent in the top five, coming you know, immediately after Beijing, Shanghai, and Shenzhen, but before Guangzhou, which ranks only sixth. So, Jiting, how persuasive does that seem to you? 
I should say frankly, I'm totally convinced, not only persuaded, but convinced by the fact that the Suzhou, Hangzhou should be the top five best city at the moment. As we know that 20 or 30 years before, Suzhou is something different, even Hangzhou. But the best story or the reason for success, I think we have a special factor. That means the local government has well manage the plan. That means the plan for development is a good plan, is a half success of the development. So all these cities, they have really very good plan for development in the five years or in 10 years. Suzhou or the hundred, they have the similar, because they have not only the plan, they have ambition. In the plan, they have ambition. That's in true. five years, what the goal, they will be realized. Then, then so what kind of... They're very, what kind of strategic emerging industries do they have, respectively? I think they have done this in two ways. First, they started at the low-end product in order to gather more skilled workers and more skilled technology and also try to make the local government more respective in the world. And secondly, they, on the basis of the low-end productivity, they promote to a high-end this is the, at the moment. This uh, in the past ten years, they have already high-end products, high technology there. So we have both the low-end and the high-end products in this area. How can we that uh, avoid such uh, good opportunities to develop it? For Suzhou and Hangzhou, as before, we know that they are famous for textile products. Yes, that's no in more the uh, past. high-tech. Yeah, mm. so that's we say that that, that is the low-end product. Right. But nowadays, they have become the high-end product. So both combinations that made the two cities and five cities try the best than Beijing, Shanghai, and Shenzhen, and other cities. Mm. This is the major. They have a good plan. They have ambition. They have very successful policy to develop their industry. Especially in Suzhou, they've got this industrial park, right? They've become an incubation or innovation center of um, that region. That's true. Because Suzhou has been always as the number one in the 100 best countries in, in China mm-hmm. in the past 20 years. This is not an easy job to maintain such a world. Okay, thank you, Jizing. We have to let you go. Thanks a lot for all uh, you've contributed. And uh, Fabian, um, do you find that, um, you know, persuasive to you? Suzhou and Hangzhou come in ahead of Guangzhou. Um, China has many interesting cities and some of them are, yes, are very exciting. Um, I'm quite, uh, I would say that according to me, the South is more exciting, it's uh. more impressive. Uh. But it's true that it's because I consider also some uh, uh, regional uh, interest. Because, you know, I can see that here in the South, also in, in Guangdong province, in Fujian and the Island province, we are more linked to also interesting development in the future, maybe with also Southeast Asia, with the ASEAN uh, area, with all those big countries now in South, uh, Southeast Asia um, developing. And uh, we can feel here in the, in the, in the GBA, uh, all the new initiatives that have been done recently, are, um, they make that place, you know, a very high degree of marketization and uh, with, with different uh, financial institutions. You know, when I see Guangzhou with that new uh, emission, uh, print carbon emission exchange market, mm. which is one of the highest level of delivering on sustainability, you know. And because nowadays, you know, ESG, like when we talk about economic, uh, social and governance, this is very hot topic, right? If you want good foreign direct investment, if you want good development, you need you need this level of 
to be aligned, right? And, and, and here, with a very high level of, of standard and transparency. And it's what we have in the South already. And, and um, when it's about, we, we know the carbon neutrality in where it's a, it's a national level strategy, right? Mm. So it's, it's, uh, it's important, but I can feel that Guangzhou, now with that uh, futures exchange, uh, they already established something uh, really, uh, really impressive. I mean, it's it's going to to count for the for the future. It's going to be it's it has it has to be considered. Mm. Oh, when making investment in China, people would have uh, would say that uh, you have to understand which city um, is specialized in what industry or what kind of. Um, you know, government policies or strategic policies or preferential policies with the government give the city. So in terms of uh, the greater Bay Area, what kind of um, sectors or businesses would you suggest foreign investors put their money in? Oh, it's very, it's a very good question. We have five, here in the South, we have five key sectors for, for growth. Uh, the first one is innovation and technology. And we know nowadays when we think, when we talk about smart manufacturing, mm. uh, it's, it's it's in the South, definitely. So innovation and technology, the, sub- the number two is the infrastructures and logistics. And when, you, because we have to consider cross-border exchange, you know. And so, uh, number three is about finance. We see in, in Shenzhen, we have the, the Shanghai uh, free trade zone and uh, mm. financial free trade zone, very, very new, very important for financial reform, right? And uh, the two the two next points are healthcare and, of course, green business because it's very important about the, the new low carbon environment and to encourage, you know, to, to, to promote the, the new green technologies. Mm. So, uh, anyway, those five points, key sectors are extremely important and we have them in the South. So, you know, I, I still think the South uh, will be uh, very competitive. I mean, you know, very uh, strategic. Obviously. The Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. And uh, back to the Yangtze River Delta. We've seen Suzhou and Hangzhou. They're the only two cities in the city sample that boast budget surpluses. So, Joseph, what does that mean for investors? Well, I, th- I think, uh, you know, we're in this this new policy era that, that we saw and and, and yeah, I don't want to talk too much about it because I think the policy is still you know being developed and sure and we'll see how far it goes. But we know, for example, that there was a policy that was showcased in Shenzhen, and I know that's going back down to the GBA, but where local governments are going to invest and and run budget deficits to help finance the technological upgrading of small and medium-sized uh, enterprises mm. and to use that as a way to sort of drive new growth and efficiencies. Um, and and that, that was merely showcased in, in Shenzhen, but I think it's a policy that uh, has been discussed as, as being rolled out in certain key cities, including Shanghai and Beijing, mm. as not only a long view for development, but also as a um, pandemic recovery, economic recovery strategy. So th- it seems that the plan is to lean on these cities as key drivers for uh, economic growth. And so uh, I think that the, the point there is that, you know, if you have government uh, fiscal policies that are being very, very proactive and helping to drive local growth, that excites the business community as a whole, certainly uh, the domestic industry that, that's going to benefit probably most directly from it. But certainly in, in cities like Hangzhou and Suzhou, where they have budget surpluses, they'll be able to not only implement that kind of policy if they do, but really put some financial resources into it 
And this would not only help them support uh, the COVID recovery policies, but also tie in with Made in China goals, as well as um, the goals that we have in place towards uh, reaching a high-income development status. Are you suggesting that um, cities in in the greater Bay Area, local governments are less capable of um, keeping their physical structures healthy? Not at all. Not at all. But, but, um, you know, in terms of the report, and and if we're taking the report at face value, and I think that there's some there are some. There may be some strange outliers uh-huh. in in the report if we go through it very carefully. And, and since it's we, we don't see all of the the sources or, or the uh, how they were really able to compute some of these things, it's really difficult to, sure. to know. I think some of the things are, are, are intuitive, but no, I, I don't think that there's a general concern about about financial management. It's just that when we look at the budget surpluses that we already have in certain cities. You know, and then there's another thing, which is uh, the report clearly takes into account the fact that Shanghai got hammered this year mm. by the two-month lockdown, and certainly the you know it, it was shown the extent to which Shanghai plays such a pivotal role in in, in national growth overall. Because it, it you know when Shanghai got locked down, it it it, it dropped down the national numbers overall, but we didn't see those uh, expenses or lockdowns in the smaller cities in this region. So. They, you know, we're still running mass tests. We have a mass test yesterday. We have one today. Shanghai has extended the free testing. I've never paid for a COVID test in Shanghai. Whereas when I was uh, in Guangzhou, uh, I had to, unless it was a mass testing day, I had to pay, I think, eight kwai on, 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 you know, like every few days. So we're still spending a lot of money here to ensure that, um, that we suppress COVID. But I don't think that they've had the same expenditures or the same economic costs associated with lockdowns. So they've managed to protect their treasuries and they have more money now that they can use to stimulate growth. But obviously, Shanghai is not the, uh, on the list that has the surplus rate. Well, let's listen right. to what uh, Fabian has to say on this um, issue. Is it, you know, Fabian, the physical surpluses, uh, are they important to a city or what's your interpretation of this uh, aspect? I'm not so sure, I'm, and, and I agree with what uh, Professor Naune, what say Joseph, because I, I think nowadays when uh, foreign companies or foreign investors uh, consider doing FDI here in, in China, they will check the different place where you can have a center of, of excellence, right? Mm. Where you can have, a, of course, as we said, innovation, but also financial reform. And we, we know here in, the, for example, when we talk, when we check about the South, we know that it covers a key element that make this uh, place very uh, international barrier, you know. Uh, and and the most important thing is where can you have uh, three things? Huh? Uh, one is uh, multidisciplinary innovation. Point number two is global connectivity, and we know this was a problem recently. And then where you have incubation for growth, you know, Th- this has to be uh, definitely. Uh, carefully checked and um, we have it in the south definitely so yeah as joseph said we some part of different cities we don't know right sure i understand that but and there's another aspect that might matter uh, a lot these days which is um was mentioned by joseph um just now the economic resilience to the pandemic right and on the uh, ranking surprisingly fuzhou shijiazhuang and taiwan which which are least known among people outside China, come in as the top three. Guangzhou and Shenzhen are ranked 10th and 15th, respectively. Beijing and Shanghai even lower at uh, 43rd and 44th. 
I don't know, Fabian, if you've noticed this, but how reasonable is the ranking, and how important is such an indicator for foreign investors when they, you know, make their decisions on where to invest? Yeah, I'm not so sure. It's true about about this because about what uh, this uh, China emerging city ranking of the Economist. I don't know if it's the. Um, I don't know Fuzhou enough. I know Fuzhou is moving fast. I know uh, Fuzhou is developing as the capital city of, of Fujian mm. and has been also uh, improving many things, also pushing for the, the new uh, Silk Road, uh, the new uh, Belt and Road Initiative. So mm. I, I know Fuzhou has been uh, has been doing things and. Uh, if they are now, you know, I'm I'm not so sure about uh, this. Uh, All right, the, the ranking this, aside, this. Uh, how important would you say is the you know economic resilience to COVID pandemic to investors? For sure, it was it's quite important because you know when we can see uh, some cities being well managed, where very efficient response, uh, if it's safe, and uh, there's also you know. Uh, uh, the the media press coverage is quite important to see if very well everything is quite it's quite fine and it's quite well so it's uh, yeah it's important for foreign investment for sure mm, obviously and um, another thing about the the ranking is um, Shenzhen the researchers ranked Shenzhen as the top mega city that has the best performance in growth potential beating Shanghai Guangzhou and Beijing do you agree Fabian yes you know in the in the GBA um, you know the the, the Shenzhen is Obviously, you know it's one of the the core, the core key city, and uh, you know the the new development they've been doing into uh, innovation and uh, science and technologies, and the last of the last 10, 15 years, of course, since the Kaiku Typhoon, since the opening reform. But I mean, the last fifteen years have been been very impressive, and now we can see also the result of this coming because the, concerning new developments, we will see even more results soon. I think I believe. Mm. And what about the Shanghai people? Would they agree, Joseph? You know, I, I've lived in Shanghai for since 2010, and I have a very deep affection for Shanghai. Uh, I like I like other parts of China as well. Mm. I don't want to say anything negative about Shanghai, and and certainly I I know, given long conversations that I've had with Fabian uh, elsewhere, that he's very very positive and high on on the GBA, and and uh, I know that he's personally invested a lot of time and money in, in those regions because he believes in them mm. uh, so strongly. There is this perception that Shanghai is not as uh, open to new businesses or people coming from other areas. I'm not saying that this is true, but I'm saying this is a this is a perception that exists that maybe Shanghai reached a kind of high point in its development and it looks down on other people. This is certainly, a, I think, a perception that that people around China have about Shanghai itself. At the same time, there's still this perception that Shanghai is not as open to new businesses as Hangzhou is, or as Suzhou is, or as the Greater Bay Area is overall. And we know, we know, for example, that um, we don't know this, but because I don't think there's been any studies done, but there's been a lot of talk about that the way that there's this in, very interesting competition strategy that's being used in the GBA, where local jurisdictions, local governments, lo, you know, cities. They are competing with each other, trying to attract businesses. But from what I can understand, uh, and again, I don't know enough about it, it's being managed in a way so it, it's not to the detriment of the region as uh, overall, but actually it's, it's sort of creating this very hyper-competitive environment that is encouraging investment in businesses. And this is where we see this incredible flowering. Whereas things became maybe a little too settled and static, and, um, and, and the way that Shanghai developed 
almost to the exclusion, not, not completely, but you know, Shanghai certainly held this extremely privileged position vis-a-vis other cities in, in this region, in this delta. So you see more openness to, or at least it's perceived that there's this more openness to new opportunities and new development and new investors and people coming from other parts of China. Whereas, you know, there's still kind of this elitism that it's hard to break into this market, that it's expensive, that it privileges locals in some way. You know, whether or not that's valid, that sort of perception seems to be guiding a lot of people's thinking. Let's talk a little bit about this new policy or measures taken by um, the authorities. They released a document detailing 15 measures to attract foreign investments in key manufacturing industries. Um, Fabi, I'm not sure if you've uh, learned about the details of those measures. From your perspective, which cities or what kind of cities would become more attractive or have more advantages in, in attracting foreign investors? Probably you can name some of them. Yes, I, I think concerning uh, digitization and smart smart manufacturing mm. in the south, we have interesting cities uh, like, as I said, like uh, also Foshan uh, and, and Dongguan, but mm. also Zhongshan, and right. also uh, Chongqing. There is something very unique in the south that people usually don't speak so much about it. But you know, in, we we have some special economic zone, right? We can see it in Shenzhen. We have some uh, free trade zone. Like the Shanghai free trade zone, and we have the Nansha free trade zone. We can see in the the document of uh, the Economist, the report, we can see Zhuhai is in, is in good good location, good position. Why? Mm. Because you know it's next to the Hengxin, Hengxin free trade zone. Right. So those, those free trade zone, those special economic zone, according to me, they are very unique and they are very very uh, interesting because uh, first you can have new new guidelines, new new area where you can have new possibilities, I would say. And and this is very important when you have to face some uh, foreign investment um, uh, problems, uh, because, you know, you have to you have to increase investment in, the, in, the, in your manufacturing or in, to improve your investment promotion and services. When you have, actually, when you face different uh, situations, uh, those free trade zone policy, those free trade zone mechanisms, those, those, it's very, very uh, uh, remarkable, because uh, we can see it can bring, it can increase you know, we can find solution with, with those free trade zones. Mm. So it, it's very attractive, actually. And I can see some cities, yes, in the south, like Zhuhai, like Fosha, will, will also benefit from this. Right. And uh, it's also because of their great growth potential. A lot of uh, young people are, you know, leaving the old or the traditional megacities for those cities, um, like um, Joseph mentioned previously. But Fabian, have you found this, you know, becoming a trend and how, how will this affect, um, you know, the cities they are leaving and the cities they're departing for? Um, I, I know this could be a, a problem in some uh, big cities also in different areas. In yeah. the south, I think, uh, um, according to uh, the urban planning and according to the the different uh, strategic positioning of the cities, some about the modern service industry and uh, you know, they've been facilitating many new uh, transportation hubs. You know, it's you can live, I would say, one hour by train from Guangzhou yeah. to be in the countryside with your family and actually work in Guangzhou, right? Mm. So now there is a closer. The GBA is the big connectivity hub. You know, it's uh, it's very integrated, would say, and, uh, and it's sustainable. It's uh, and, and, and it's well efficient, organized. So I, I would say that uh, the trend to have. Um, 
it's, I don't think we will have the young people to leave the, the greater barrier mm. because actually the place, it's, it's a good place to be and it's a good place to live. Actually, what you said just inspired me that uh, if they can you know, carry out this integration of different cities or neighboring regions, um, things could... Um, one plus one, um, you know, um, greater than two, right? And um, one last question. Joseph, if, if you were asked to leave the city you are now living in, which is Shanghai, and move to some other emerging city of, of China's mainland, which one would you choose and why? Well, you know, I think that... Uh, <laughs> of those emerging cities. Why would, no, but why would I be asked to leave Shanghai? Oh, it's just hypothetically. Uh, I know, I know. Uh. Uh, but I think uh, probably Guangzhou or Shenzhen. I, 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 no, you I, have to choose uh, some city outside of those uh, four mega cities. You know, the new emerging uh, or new first year cities. Maybe Foshan, uh, maybe Zhuhai. Uh, I always hear marvelous things about Shaman. I've never been there. I have this fantasy. Uh, you know, people tell me about how wonderful the university is there, how it, how it's down near the beach. And, you know, so I think about things about you know more in terms of uh, you know in terms of, of my profession and 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 where I would be able to to work. Of course, I think as an intellectual center, uh, Shanghai is second to none in China. It's, there's also an intellectual scene, obviously, in Beijing. You know, many years ago, and I haven't been to these cities in some time, but I always had an affection for Dalian and uh-huh. Nanning, and I've spent a lot of time in in uh, Hainan. I think there's a lot of exciting things happening in Hainan with the Boal Forum and certainly uh, other development projects. I know that uh, Fabian has some interest in, in Hainan. And there, there are areas that I haven't been to that uh, seem to be very exciting in their development as well, like, like uh, Guizhou. And uh, there's a lot of activity happening in, in Kunming. But uh, if I was forced to leave Shanghai, I would probably look uh, in the GBA. Yeah, sure. And Fabian, just choose one. Oh, I, I, I'm very, you can feel me. I love the South. I love Guangzhou. I, I love know. The, the area, the cultural landscape of all the city in the South. So I also love, of course, Hainan, as Joseph mentioned. So, no, I, I'm very fine in the South. <laughs> so it's, it's a good place to, to be, actually. One city. You have to name one city. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But it would be in the South anyway, you know, because as you, maybe Xiamen or in, in Fujian or maybe Nanning, I don't know, but it would be around. It would be that far. Uh, and so, my choice is uh, Zhuhai. I want to see the air show. Oh, it's soon. It's next week, I think, right? Yeah, it's coming up. With that, we wrap up today's chat. Many thanks to Fabian Pakori, Vice President of the French Chamber of Commerce in China and French Foreign Trade Advisor, Joseph Mahoney, Professor of Politics and International Relations, East China Normal University, and Liu Juching, who's already left us, and Senior Fellow, Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies of Framing University of China for your insights. Please feel free to leave a review or a comment for us and subscribe to the Chat Lounge wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Tuyun. Thank you for being with us. See you next week. Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world.